Hello, five listeners. Hello, BD Wong. BD Wong and other listeners, hi. Hello, bitches. It is time for season five. Yeah. I know you've been waiting, but it's a it's a beautiful day here in the Witch District of Minneapolis. The sun is shining, and we are ready to usher in season five. Today is going to be the warmest day of the year. It wouldn't be perhaps it's you if we didn't start out talking about the weather, but it is so exciting. Ta-da! It's so exciting. I yes. really... It's the perfect day to start a new thing, I think. I agree. You were talking about March 1st being like the new January 1st, which I really support because January and February and sometimes March, but especially January and February in Minnesota are just trash garbage, dreary. You don't really have, you don't feel like you have a lot to look forward to. But once March comes, even if the weather's not great, you can see an end to it. Yeah. To winter. Yeah. You start getting some actual like daylight in your life and it's like, oh, Things will get better. So today's practically New Year's Day. Yeah, we're, we're celebrating. We're celebrating with season five. We're kicking off season five, which so far so good. I'm gonna say it. I, I like this episode. Did we mention that this is an Unsolved Mysteries rewatch? Podcast? Oh, we did it because we don't know what we're doing, despite having done this for like a million years by now. Did I mention that my name is Liz and, and that your name, name is Samantha? Samantha? No. Do we know how to make a podcast? Clearly not. I think BD Wong already knows that though. So BD Wong's been a, a loyal listener from the beginning. I assume. He's one of the five. I assume he found it day one. And uh, he like re- he re-listened sometimes in his car. Imagine if this was the first episode of this podcast someone was listening to. They would just be like, what? Well, they've the turned f- it off by now, so yeah. we don't have to imagine that. But anyway. The podcast Swindled, um, which I follow on Twitter, has lately been putting up some like podcasting rules. And I feel like we break every single every one of them. Single one of them. What was one of their rules? That you one feel of their rules broken? was to not, try not to annoy your audience. Oh, we break that every second. We've probably already broken that. Yeah. We're hardly five minutes into this thing. I will find out things people don't like that I do and do them more. So I definitely break that rule. There was something about like, oh, you don't care about what beverage I'm drinking. And it's like... We talk about that all the time. All the time. Did I mention I'm drinking pineapple, coconut, uh, good and gather water? I really like the watermelon good and gather. Really? See, the pineapple coconut is delicious. So I got to try the watermelon. Watermelon. It's beautiful. love this. It's delicious. And considering polar water is so goddamn hard to get here, got to find some alternatives. Good and gather, which I believe is a Target only brand. Pay up. (laughs) Pay (laughs) us money. Pay up. Um, I don't know that I really have any updates. I'm excited to start season five. Mm-hmm. This is a solid fucking episode. I've heard that this from some of our listeners that this is a good season. Okay, so I'm, I'm pumped. I'm jazzed. I'm cautiously I'm ready to go. I feel like four season four was kind of forgettable. I agree, honestly. So I'm hopeful we that season five. I feel like. And I feel like I remember very little of it, except at some point there was a skeleton wearing boots and I didn't even care. Yeah. (laughs) But do I remember that? Because we made that the title of an episode? Probably. What else do I remember about season four? Almost nothing. But that's in the past. Yeah, it's totally so in the past. We're the, moving on in season a new five is before us. new year. We're here in the United States trying to survive yet another election year. Is brutal. So we're going to throw our energies into this. Yes. Something we can control. We can control this <laughs> podcast. We have a lot of exciting things happening this year. We just booked a room 
in West Virginia to go to the Mothman Festival. That's right, bitches. You better be at the goddamn Mothman Festival because we are going and getting a hotel room for that is like fucking Coachella. You have no idea. A couple months ago, Liz was really like, should I book us a room at the Mothman Festival? I'm like, that's like over a year away. I think we're probably going to be okay. Little did I know that... I feel like we barely even got one. I know. We would be camping on the side of the road if you hadn't decided to take the initiative <laughs> to get like, us a hotel room when we did. I had an afternoon where I didn't really have anything to do, and I was like, eh, I might as well make some travel arrangements today. And so I called the Low, which is the historic, supposedly haunted hotel in downtown Point Pleasant. And they were like, oh, if you're coming for the Mothman Festival, three-day minimum, there are two suites left. They are over $300 a night. So I was like, oh, we're talking a a cool grand. Am I flying to Paris? (laughs) We're talking a grand for three nights. And she was like, well, this one suite does have a view of the Mothman statue. And I was like, (laughs) okay, do I want to see it that bad? Hold on. Front side? Question. (laughs) Question. Front front side of the the statue or the back side? Because that really makes a difference. Neither of those rooms even had two beds. They had, like, a queen bed and a pull-out couch. And she was surprised that I was like, oh, you don't have a room with two beds available? And she was like, why? There's only two of you. <laughs> and I was kind of like, well, I'm not boinking Samantha. <laughs> so I was we like... We have different sleep schedules. We really need two beds. <laughs> I have restless leg syndrome. You do not want to share a bed with me. So I was kind of very politely like, well, let me talk to my associate that I'm traveling with, and I'll get back to you. <laughs> this is a business trip. <laughs> this is a business trip. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I'm never calling that woman again as long as I... We will stop by that haunted hotel for a beverage. Yes. I am not paying a grand. And I don't I don't care if I can look at Mathematics booty whenever <laughs> I want. That's a $1,000, lady! We're not bringing in that much podcast, unfortunately. Sadly not. Uh, so, but we're staying pretty close yeah. to, to the festival. It'll be fine. We'll, um, we'll have, like, a meetup. If there's, like, two people in town for that festival, you will be able to meet us. Please join us. I mean, if you are able to, to drive there and even just spend a day at the Mothman Festival, let us know because we would love to meet up with you. Um, we'll organize a thing somehow. It's going to be really fun. We'll yeah. meet at the Mothman statue or something. And that's what everyone's going to do. Well, yeah, but... But still. But still. And we'll probably bring Robbie Stacky For sure. Yeah. So no. you'll be able to find us, hopefully. Be- oh, maybe everyone's bringing a Robbie Stacky. Christ, I don't know. See, this is the problem. What are we in for? See, when we went to the podcast, fest- the True Crime Podcast Festival in Chicago, we were by far the weirdest <laughs> people there. I don't think we're going to be the weirdest people no, at this one. So someone's paying a grand for that suite. It might- Someone is. So it may be hard <laughs> to find us, so we'll have to find a way to stand out. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, though. We're going to have, like, a little road trip. Yes, I can't wait. That's a long ways away, unfortunately. So, what I'm telling you is that you are listening to a big deal podcast. This is professional. <laughs> this is slick as hell. Yes. I saw my uncle Jeff on Facebook promoting this podcast, which made me really happy despite all the swearing. So, hello, Jeff. Thanks, Uncle Jeff. Thanks for the buzz marketing. My tax lady, I think, listens to this now. So, hi. That's amazing. Hello. Uh, Look, we'll get the word out. However, however we have to, even if that requires us to pay taxes. I mean, (laughs) we got to do it. It's a download. So yeah, yeah, exactly. We got to get those downloads. So yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. This was a good episode. I'm feeling good about season five. I'm feeling very good. I'm surprisingly optimistic considering my general outlook on life. (laughs) 
You won't get uh, p- more positive f- words yeah. out of Liz. Yeah, put that in a fortune cookie. <laughs> that would make no sense. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's get started. Season five, Robert Stack's there. Hell yeah. It's time. This this is a solid episode. I wish I had four mysteries and only three mysteries, but you know what? Each one, good. The last one goes in a direction you do not see coming. <laughs> no. If you have not watched this... Take the the cap off a beer, settle in, because it's going to be a wild ride. It's a good one. Yes. Okay, we're going to start first, though, with the mystery of Temi Lynn Leppert, who um, was from Cocoa Beach, Florida. Um, She was a beauty queen, as I am very much not. (laughs) Okay, so she was an 18-year-old model and actress. She'd been competing in beauty pageants since she was four, which sounds terrible. And um, she was... I would have been the worst four-year-old beauty pageant. Can you imagine? Beauty queen ever. Just me, like, sulking and glaring (laughs) on the stage. In the first grade, I, like, was supposed to be taking a standardized test, and I just sort of, like, pushed it to the side of my desk and, like, folded up my arms and, like, took a little nap, and the teacher was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't want to do this. You know what? There was a kind of like not a good argument about why. I tried. <laughs> like, mm, no. <laughs> First grade Liz had it figured out. <laughs> like, do, do you said we weren't getting graded on this? It sounds like I'm here. This is a complete waste of my time. <laughs> and look at you now. You're a successful podcaster. You exactly. didn't take that stupid standardized test in first grade. <laughs> okay. This has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it just popped into my mind. I came up. So, my husband, who's been on the show, Mac, his birthday is in, uh, May, he's May 1st, baby, uh, International Communist Workers Day. I came up with what I thought was the greatest idea for a present for him the other day. (laughs) But really, it just proves that I'm a fucking weirdo. (laughs) I can't wait to hear this. So, I thought it'd be great to give him a card that you open up and it says, okay, wait, first of all, for this story to make any sense, you have to be aware that I work part-time at a salon and have access to hair. <laughs> okay, this is already weird. So I thought it'd be great to get a card that you open up and it says, surprise, you have a rat tail. And <laughs> in the night, I had clipped a rat tail into his hair while he was sleeping. <laughs> you did what you did then? No. Oh. I just thought that'd be a really good birthday surprise. But this is a prank. This isn't a birthday gift. <laughs> but there's a reason for it to be card. <laughs> so, <laughs> he just reaches behind him. He's like, oh my god. <laughs> it only makes sense as a birthday surprise if he really wanted a rat tail like, See, his think- whole life. <laughs> and he was like, oh, finally. I think he did as a kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> and his mom wouldn't let him have one because rat tail. <laughs> but now I could rectify that. <laughs> you give him the rat tail he's always wanted. Yeah. With someone else's hair. <laughs> Folks, if you're not married or in a long if you've never been in a long term relationship, this is the kind of thing you have to look forward to. Someday you're just gonna be like <laughs> laying there in bed. <laughs> And just a light bulb is going to go off. <laughs> and then your spouse, who knows you far too well, is just going to be shaking their head. <laughs> <laughs> or you're awoken to something pulling at the nape of your hair and a, and a high-pitched giggle. 
it turns out that it's me because <laughs> you're attaching someone else's, <laughs> someone else's hair that was on the ground. <laughs> I'm wondering how he wakes up and goes through enough of his day not noticing like the, a tickle on the back of his neck and reaching back and wondering why someone else's hair. For some reason, this is the funniest thing to me, and I can't explain why. <laughs> Offered to teach me how to do weave and extensions. <laughs> so you could weave it into. Is he a really deep sleeper? Is he not going to wake up while you're weaving in an extension? <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe. But it'll totally be worth it. Okay, no one tell Mac. This <laughs> has like a couple more months to, yeah, to finalize he, this plan. He does not listen to this podcast, so. You can weigh in whether or not you think I should give him a rat tail while spoil the surprise with just some stranger's hair. <laughs> okay. That had 100% nothing to do with anything. With Tammy Lee Leopard's <laughs> horrible demise. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't. It's just been on my mind. I mean, I, you put a lot of thought into this? <laughs> it just came to me in a vision. <laughs> it's really inspired. Yeah. Okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, back to Tammy. So, she was starting to get into acting. She was in the 1982 teen movie Spring Break. And Robert's not called this a teen exploitation film? Yeah, I think it's just kind of like a beach movie, I'm assuming. I don't know anything about it. I've never seen it. But Maybe um, teens are exploited? I mean, probably. Probably they were, but... I think it's, you know, it's just one of those movies that has hot babes and yeah. raunchy humor. I'm guessing. I assume so. Um... It was like a major release, right? But after it wrapped up, she went to an unsupervised out-of-town weekend party and came back a different person. Hmm. Yeah. So Tammy grew reclusive and paranoid, and she was suspicious that someone was trying to harm her, which, I mean, maybe they were. I don't, that's the thing. You have to... <laughs> Tammy vanishes. Yeah. So is Tammy really that paranoid? Or is Tammy going, oh, I went to a Hollywood party and I saw some Jeffrey Epstein shit and now people are trying to off me. Disappear me. Yeah, it's, I don't know. This one is weird. It is weird and very sad. And I'm sorry I told that rat tail story in the middle of it and I apologize. We need some levity. That's the comic relief. Yeah, this is, I mean, okay. So there was a kid that lived at her house that like her mom was also his like modeling coach or acting coach uh you mean wing flanagan <laughs> yes i do <laughs> my one and i took one and only one note on liz's first mystery and that is there's a person in this <laughs> mystery called wing flanagan and we agree that that sounds like a character on ducktales yes. possibly launch pads rival wing flanagan that is a cartoon mallard that is not a human person <laughs> it's actually this kid that lived in tammy's house and tammy treated sort of as a brother but she started telling him that when people called to say that she was not home and he didn't understand why and the only thing she said was that she saw something she shouldn't have yes which i mean that could be a whole lot of things yeah and you do at one point she became concerned that the na- her neighbors had gotten a van that had mirrored windows and she told <laughs> She told Wing, 
It's just a hard uh, sentence Mr. to say. Mr. Flanagan. She told Mr. Flanagan that that was suspicious because it meant that they could see her, but she couldn't see them. Which, weird. My neighbors get a, a mirrored van. It is kind of raise my eyebrows. Who knows? What do you What do you need? What are you doing in there? Do we need a mirrored van? To drive to the Mothman Festival? Just to drive around and solve mysteries. Scooby-Doo style. Yeah, unless you're solving mysteries. I don't think you need a van with mirrored You better. Which, maybe that's what they were doing. I don't know. Put on the outside of the van. Don't worry. We're solving mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on the outside of the van so people are less scared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... At this time, even though she'd been, like, in the house for two weeks and not leaving, she was offered a small part in the famous movie Scarface. So she went to film that and was staying with a family friend, Walter Leibovitz, until the fourth day of filming. And what happened was they were filming a violent scene where she's, like, a witness to someone getting shot. And she just had, like, a fucking breakdown on set. She could not handle it because it was triggering something for her mm-hmm. so does that mean that she saw someone get murdered at this party or she's just scared someone's gonna murder her i don't know hard to say so she has a hy- hysterical fit and walter the family friend is like brought in to see what's going on and she's talking about money laundering she's talking about how people are out to get her and they end up um taking her off the movie so she quits the film she goes back to coco beach um, her mom had insisted that she go talk to the sheriff and see a psychiatrist, but in talking to the sheriff, she didn't mention that she thought her life was in danger, and she didn't really reveal whatever it is that the problem was. I mean, she Would didn't you- t- t- trust this local sheriff in Cocoa Beach. I don't know. Not surprising. So, um, she was seeing a psychiatrist, and she did begin to improve slightly, but she was still acting paranoid, and she would ask Wing Flanagan to taste her food in case it was poisoned. In July 1st, 1983, she suffered a serious breakdown. She walked outside and the door closed and she ended up being locked out. But she thought that Wing had locked her out intentionally. So she grabs this baseball bat and starts smashing in the front window of the house and yelling, like, why did you lock me out? Like, da, da, da. Because she's starting to think, like, even he is against her. So her mom's able to calm her down, and she's like, I was able to handle this situation, but I didn't think I was going to be able to handle the next situation that came up. Right, because it seems like it's getting worse. And at this point, she had been hospitalized for 72 hours and released, and they hadn't been given any resources or any direction or any diagnosis. So I feel like her mom felt helpless at this point. Because this is when she's checked into the mental health center. Oh, after that, okay. Yeah, after she breaks the window, because her mom's like... I don't know what to do. Like, is she going to attack me? Is she going to attack Wing? Is she going to hurt herself? Like, where is this going? So she's brought in for a physical and mental examination. There was no evidence of drugs or alcohol use, which that's not what this sounds like anyway. Um, She was kept there for 72 hours of observation. After being released, she told her mom that if anything happened to her, that she wanted her mom to get even with them, which... (laughs) I'm saying that right now, <laughs> listeners. If something happens to me, I'm counting on you to avenge it. Absolutely. Okay? Thank you. We're making a pact with you right now. Thank you. I will. My ghost will appreciate that so much. You have no idea. So, and she was still saying that someone was going to kill her. So, the day later, Tammy goes out with her friend Rick. And in that conversation says, like, look, I'm probably going to be leaving for a while. I just want you to know that I love you. And he was like, yeah, I love you too. Like, what? Don't understand. So the next day is the afternoon of July 6th, 1983. She leaves home with a male acquaintance. I don't know if they don't know who it is or they just didn't want to say. 
But they don't identify who that person is. So they apparently got into an argument in the car and he ordered her out of the car, even though she wasn't wearing shoes, and just left her at the Glass Bank parking lot in downtown Cocoa Beach. This guy's a dick. What the fuck? Yeah. She ha- she did not have her purse. She did not have an ID. She didn't even have shoes. Yeah. He just leaves her in this parking what lot. What the fuck? This is pre-cell phone. I don't know that she has any change to use a payphone. Right. She's just standing there with literally no shoes. She's five miles from her house. Anyway. What gives? She's never seen again. Um, at first, the police, because they're extremely helpful, suggested that Tammy left home voluntarily. Sure. With nothing. With literally not even shoes. What? I... Yes, she plans to get in a fight with her friend, get kicked out of a car, get left in a bank parking lot, and then what? Leave town. Steal a car? Someone else pick her up? What? Walk? Someone buy her some shoes? (sighs) Makes no sense. Without the police, who would come and scribble in a notebook and not do anything? (laughs) All right. So her family, because they're smarter than police, did not believe that that was true. And then she said that um, Tammy was actually really excited that she was going to be leaving in a few weeks to go to California for three months and did not think she would run away before doing that because she was liked about it. So they think that she either met with foul play or Unsolved Mysteries favorite, Amnesia. Okay, so actually, the maybe the reason they don't tell you who the friend she got in a fight with is that, yes, he was considered a possible suspect. Because that story is weird. Yes. Right. So, I, he's either a huge dick or he had something to do with it. Or both. Yeah. Probably both. But, um, so several people are suspected in her death. One person is Christopher Wilder, a serial killer who abducted and raped at least 12 women and killed eight during a spree from Florida through Texas, Oklahoma, Nevada, California, and New York in 1984 before he committed suicide during a struggle with the New Hampshire police. Some people believe that they met on the set of Scarface Hmm. in Fort Lauderdale and that Christopher made fruitless trips to Tammy's home to ask to be allowed to see her. Except that her strange behavior, didn't it start before she started filming that? So that doesn't really track. That doesn't really make sense. I think the main reason people think that is just the timeline adds up, lines up. There's really no evidence um, John Crutchley, known as, here's a title, The Vampire Rapist, oh. is also considered a possible suspect. Don't know why. Sadly, her mom passed away in 1995 without ever knowing what happened to Tammy. Um, the rest of the family has still been searching before her. There are some claims that she was killed by a former boyfriend, but nobody, look, nobody knows what happened to Tammy. Oh, it's so tragic sad. and it's awful. so sad. And it does seem to me like she probably saw something. Well, I don't know if it's like organized crime. I don't know if it's a Jeffrey Epstein I was just going to say, you know, now that we know more than they did when this show came out. Right. With hindsight, you can say, yeah, something may have happened at that party. And because she... She was young. She had, As far as any, you know, her family was concerned... She was one person when she went to that party and a different person when she got back. And that doesn't indicate, you know, a gradual decline in mental health or whatever. Like something, it seems like something happened. That's trauma. Yeah. And, you know, she was 16. God. 
Yeah, and she had been in this industry since she was four. Like, yeah, what happened to Tammy? That's so sad. Maybe she did witness something about mon- money laundering or or drug dealing. I kind of, yeah, I don't know. Gosh, it's really terrible. Sorry, Tammy. I know. I hope we find out what happened to you, and I hope we avenge your death like you wanted. I think she, although she didn't complete filming Scarface, do you know if she's in the movie? I don't because think when, she is. Because when you Google her, I was Googling to try and see what else was out there about her, and Scarface comes up, but I wasn't sure if she was in the film or if they replaced her. I mean, when it said she quit the movie, I was assuming that she isn't in it, but maybe she is. I don't know. Just kind of a... Uh, a little bit of a legacy since the movie is so beloved. Yeah. Uh, um, poor Tammy. Justice for Tammy, man. Okay. Samantha has a very famous UFO to talk yes. about. Let me just pull it up. So we are talking about the Hudson Valley UFO sighting. Which I'm sure I've heard of. So some, some, that sounds like something I know about. Yeah. I think um, this is a big one. It's a pretty famous one. Lots of people saw it. And... As far as I could tell, not being like a UFO expert, it seemed kind of credible. Very interesting. So, the case begins. The quiet beauty of New York's Hudson River Valley is home to upscale professionals and retirees. They tend to be well-educated and cosmopolitan, and Unsolved Mysteries tells us that they're hardly the type of people one would expect to be swept up by UFO fever. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries, have you tried not being so classist? God. <laughs> These aren't yeah. a bunch of yokels. <laughs> What gives Unsolved Mysteries? Did you know that you can only believe people who have gone to multiple schools? <laughs> oh, great. So, yeah, that is exactly what happened to more than 5,000 residents between 1983 and 1986. Ultimately, the entire episode was largely dismissed as a hoax perpetrated by a group of local stunt pilots. However, to this day, many of the eyewitnesses maintain that what they saw could not have been a handful of airplanes. Okay, honestly, I find the existence of a UFO more believable than a bunch of stunt pilots got together and decided to pull a prank. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, maybe that's not more believable, but, like, that that explanation, the rational explanation, is not that rational. We'll get into why, but the circumstances surrounding, like, between it happening at night... The weather, the look, like, it doesn't seem super logical also, that this a, would be... One of them come forward and been like, ha gotcha. They have a sort Prank. of explanation for that, but... Prank! I don't, know. I don't know. You know, like, when you've given your husband a rat tail when he's sleeping, <laughs> and then you're like, booyah, pranked you good! <laughs> you know, you do that one day, the next day you're out flying an airplane to hoax a bunch of people into thinking in the UFOs again? I say, hey, you rich smarty pants, guess what? <laughs> you just saw a UFO. Prank! <laughs> Alright, so we meet Dennis Sant, a husband and father of five. He worked in local government for 17 years. He led a perfectly normal life, according to him. Then on March 17th, 19- Do I live a perfectly normal life? I don't think so. That sounds boring. <laughs> yeah, it does sound kind of boring. So, but, but maybe that's what he wanted. Sure. On March 17th, 1983, Dennis's home in Brewster, New York, was the site of an extraordinary event. This is what Dennis is quote as, quoted as saying. It was a very large object. The structure of it was dark gray, metallic, almost a girder-type look, 
almost girder type, which I don't know what that really means. I think like he could see almost like beams. Like I he think could so. see that the structure. Yeah, like sometimes UFOs are described like they almost look like mercury. Like they seem very like right. not something that we would be able to create. Like the metal doesn't seem to apply to physics or whatever. Yeah, it has but in been this machined. case they were like this was a structure. Like yes. I could see the parts of it. He says that the object was silent, and it had lights that were iridescent and bright, and they stood out in the sky in three dimension. He said it looked like a city of lights, which is a very interesting description. Very I want to see it. He said it, it hung cool. in the sky over his house, that it was brilliant in color. He followed the object around to the backyard, and at that point, a feeling of fright came over him. He started to have thoughts of the craft touching ground and thoughts of an encounter with an alien. He thought about being abducted and all of these fearful things he said entered his mind when he saw it. So this seems like a guy who probably hasn't spent a lot of time thinking about UFOs. Maybe I'm wrong. He but was he- like, wait a second. Aliens could be flying that like that had to right. occur to him. Yeah, he's just like a normie. He's got five kids. He's busy. All of a sudden he's thinking about getting abducted by aliens. Imagine that. He's like wondering if this weekend is warm enough to grill. And right. then all of a sudden he's like, What? What? Are you a pro? So this is described as like lights in like a V shape. And uh, Unsolved Mysteries has some reenactments that are pretty good actually. Yeah, so, I like, thought they were quality. Some of the, the UFO reenactments in this show have been kind of bad. It's like a tin can on a string or something. This one was actually not bad. No, I feel like you probably can't do it much better today, honestly. So Dennis and his family were not the only ones to see this UFO that night. A few miles away, traffic screeched to a halt on Interstate 84 as the mysterious object hovered overhead. The Hudson Valley sightings had only just begun, according to Unsolved Mysteries. One week later, Officer Andy Sadoff of the Newcastle Police was on routine patrol when he also had an encounter. He says that he was working at 4 p.m. to midnight and assigned to set up radar to look for speeders. And he looked up into the sky and saw a series of lights. At first, he thought it was a plane, but it was a distance away and, um, and it was extremely large. He says that as he recalls, there was mostly white lights, but there were also some green ones. It was alternating green and white. He said it approached his vehicle and stopped and seemed to hover overhead. He said as he was looking at it, he was amazed and in awe. He said that there was no noise, no humming, no engine. He couldn't hear anything, which is important because the explanation for this is stunt planes. And the witnesses are saying that they can't hear anything. I don't believe for a second this was stunt planes. So, it's also, yeah, they're not really behaving like you would expect a plane to, like, slowly hover overhead and then stop. It's very strange. Did five pilots get drunk and then decide, you know what would be great? If we all flew in formation and convinced people there was a UFO. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. That's, that's the official explanation, but... Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. So just seconds later, the silence was broken by another eyewitness report. At virtually the same time, Ed Burns, a computer engineer and senior manager for IBM, was driving home on the Taconic Parkway, 10 miles north of Officer Sandoff's location. He says, out of nowhere, I got a lot of static on the radio. I thought maybe I was on the wrong channel. And then I went over to turn the dial again. And that's when I looked up and saw the craft. He said it was a triangular ship. And at the back, there had to be a large... He said the back of it had to be as large as a football field. He said also that there was no noise. Just like planes. 
Yes. Ed pulled off the highway and joined a group of motorists by the side of the road. According to Ed, they were all staring at the sky, dumbstruck. He says, I'm not into astronomy, but what I witnessed that night was not from this planet. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure I see the correlation. He was like, is it Mars? I don't know. Planets? It's not from Earth, though. You were like, yeah, this guy's really not into astronomy. (laughs) The eyewitness reports indicated that the object was slowly moving north over the Hudson River Valley. Officer Sadoff and at least 12 others saw it in Newcastle. Ten minutes later, Ed Burns and at least 20 motorists saw it near, saw it near Millwood. Ten minutes after that, the phones began ringing off the hook in the police station at Yorktown. Officer William Wolfe Jr. was the dispatcher on duty that night and says that every line kept going off. He said he'd answer and the next line would, would ring. And then it got to the point where there were so many people, they were out of their cars and they were out of their cars on the the parkway and basically no traffic was going through because everyone was just staring at the craft, which I think is the thing that interests me most about this, that there are so many witnesses to the point where traffic is stopped on a major highway and everyone's staring at it. So clearly they saw they were seeing something. Officer Kevin Sorup. What I have written down for this is just a quote of someone saying, I'm going to tell you something, honey. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, so Officer Kevin Soravilla arrived a few minutes later and also saw the lights reported by dozens of Yorktown residents. Although Officers Wolf and Soravilla were standing side by side in front of the Yorktown police station, their accounts were entirely contradictory. Officer Soravilla was convinced that he saw a large object with a number of small lights. But Officer Wolf had a d- different impression. He said that they looked like airplanes to me, which I think maybe is where this like theory arose. He said, I live near an airport and I see these airplanes every day. So as they were coming over, he said, well, you can't hear anything. And I said, listen. But then we started to hear a drone. What? I don't know. They heard noise. (laughs) (laughs) This quote doesn't make much sense to me. So suddenly the Hudson Valley sightings had taken a dramatic... Honey, I don't know what it is. It appeared that the UFOs were a hoax, nothing more than a small aircraft flying than small aircraft flying in precise patterns. Anthony Papaliti was an air traffic control specialist at the time of the sightings. In the summer of 1983, he made an observation that seemed to settle the UFO controversy once and for all. He said that he observed the formation and it looked peculiar. And from his vantage point at the tower, they appeared to be one big light because they were flying in tight formation. He says, I don't think if this formation flew over an individual's head at a thousand feet that there's any way you could mistake it for anything but the formation flying due to the sound of the aircraft engines. And I imagine that at 10,000 feet, you could really determine that it's an aircraft. But not everyone agreed. Philip Imbrogno, an author and UFO expert, spoke to several of the eyewitnesses. He says the UFO was surely seen before these hoaxers pilots began their night flights. It seems like his theory is that after the first sightings, it inspired hoaxers to go out and get in their airplanes and do... That implies tons of people have access to airplanes. I just like that they're like, you know, that simple prank where you get in your airplane. It's like, no, I don't have access to an airplane. I have an access to people's hair. people can just hop in airplanes in order to pull off pranks yeah it's weird there is (laughs) that's like a whole other level of privilege that i've never thought about 
airplane for prank access. Yes. <laughs> so there is one video. And the home video shows a light formation above Brewster, New York. It was taken on June 10th, 1984 by local resident Bob Pizzuli. Sure, Bob. Philip Imbrogno was convinced that the footage showed footage showed an actual UFO. He says, it has been looked at by a number of photographic experts who indicate that the movement of the object on the video seems to be one rigid object, not individual objects. Plus, there were hundreds and hundreds of witnesses who saw the UFO and said it was something strange. But the night that the airplanes were seen, there were also dozens of witnesses who said, in fact, that they did see airplanes. So, okay, but you could see airplanes and a UFO. They're not mutually exclusive. And that seems to be this Philip guy's theory, that some nights there were airplanes doing this, and that originally <laughs> okay, it was a no, UFO. that's weird. <laughs> that, that... There was a UFO, and then a bunch of people decided to prank it with airplanes. Yeah, it's seems like people with just airplanes okay, flying around. So Unsolved Mysteries tells us that they found the people were identified and admitted to this. And Unsolved Mysteries asked them to recreate their flight during the day, but they refused because if basically if they admitted to having done this at night, it would be breaking the law. Like you're not allowed to do these certain uh, things okay. according like, like it's against FAA regulations. So unsolved mysteries couldn't get them to actually prove that they had done it because I think that would be incriminating. Uh, but I also like that unsolved also- mysteries just went. Oh yeah, prove it. <laughs> I kind of love that. That Robert but also, Stack. That would make for great TV. Oh my god! Imagine. Yes. Oh, you're like over the desert. They're flying in formation. That'd be so cool. I wonder if anyone's done that since then. Like, got no different idea. people to like try and recreate it. Like, maybe not the people that did it. You know, originally. Sure. But like, try and prove that it could be done. I just think having access to all those planes sounds really expensive. Yeah, we need like someone with deep. Po- we need a Rob. We need to get Rob Lowe on the job. Rob Lowe. Uh, get I know- him. Rob Lowe, take off your NFL hat. I know you're listening. <laughs> we have a new thing for you to cover. What are your kids doing? On the low files. They can't be busy. They're, they are not busy. Let's count their money. Let's get them involved. Get an get an, a daily a, haircut. No, they're not busy. We need to rent a small handful of planes. Yeah, you can do that. Get some people to fly in formation. We need we need to do this. It's hilarious to me that cases like this, I just go, oh, it's a UFO. And I have no follow-up questions. (laughs) Like, I just am like, "Hmm, sounds like a UFO to me. In the video, which they play on Unsolved Mysteries, someone says that they can hear engines. Which I feel like these, I don't know. I don't know who's the government, military people. I don't know who's saying that these these are airplanes. But I feel like that's a piece of evidence they use to say, oh, it wasn't silent. That you can hear this guy in the video say, oh, I can hear engines. Why are we assuming UFOs are silent? I don't know. Right? Because they're otherworldly technology. I don't know. But other witnesses say that they were silent and they didn't hear anything. So, I don't know. It was a UFO. And a story. I think it was probably a UFO. Done. I refuse to believe in airplane pranks. (laughs) That sounds dangerous. Don't play airplane pranks. Yeah. I guess now you would use drones, right? Stick to rat tail pranks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's my whole Wholesome. Point. Yeah, wholesome rat content. Rat tail pranks like, against your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. All right. I think this is a good tr- point to transition into your... Well, I do have a mustache from oh, this Oh, great. One. There's lots of mustaches in this episode. But it's very generic, and I called it the Believer, and then I was like, wait, I think I can already called a mustache the Believer, so then I called it the Believer, too. <laughs> My other note on this is that there is a cop in this who was wearing the worst frosted lipstick I have ever seen. <laughs> so we just need to be able to include that in our fashion uh evaluation at the end of oh and i think we're gonna have a fashion evaluation in this one for sure okay now we have an unexplained death from kentucky and it is one of the wildest things i have ever heard or seen in my lifetime okay so imagine this you are a slightly hot airfield worker (laughs) named wes weaver and you're just there doing your job right just another day at the airfield. It, yeah, it's a regular Tuesday. You just want the week to be over. You're you going have, fishing and this weekend. You have never gotten five of your buddies together to fake a UFO because that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, you're just, yeah, you're thinking about when you can crack open a beer. And then a guy comes up to you and is like, hey, I really need to get a flight out west. I have this leather jacket I would be willing to trade. Is there anyone here who could help me? You know, when you barter jackets for plane rides. When you clearly have nothing on you, but you need to fly somewhere, and you're like, yeah, don't you want this leather jacket? And the guy's just like, what? No. Go away. (laughs) This is really weird. So... I don't think there was even, like, I don't even know if there were pilots at the airfield. I don't know that West... This wasn't an airport. No. This is just it's a just place where... It's just where rich people park their planes. And I don't know that any of them were there or interested in driving someone around for a jacket. Yeah. I don't know that Wes had a plane. I don't know that anyone there was actually a pilot. That's just where they work. Yeah. So, this guy was extremely desperate. But they were, like... You are weird, and you need to leave immediately. So then I think Wes's shift is done, and he's driving away from the airfield, and he sees that motherfucker hop over the fence and start running towards the airstrip. So he gets on his, like, walkie-talkie or whatever. Yeah, it's like, he's like security underpaid security guard or something. You need to go get this mofo. I don't know what he's up to. He's running towards a plane that is about... That has been cleared for takeoff. There are other witnesses who I guess are just people who sit around with nothing to do and watch the airstrip. Not that sure. Tracks. Yeah. <laughs> but they see this guy. Okay. I need you to brace yourself. <laughs> this guy runs up to the plane as it's taking off and grabs onto a wing. How this doesn't crash this little airplane, I do not know. Because I've watched a lot of air disasters. And as far as I can tell, a millimeter of ice can crash an airplane. But this this dude jumps on the wing. This was Northwest Airlines Flight 2940 en route to Memphis, Tennessee. This is happening at 6.49 p.m. So one of the witnesses is named Linda, and she just sees this guy run towards the plane. The plane take off. It's flying for a little bit, and then something falls off the plane. Okay, and Unsolved Mysteries does a reenactment. I assume they strapped a mannequin to an airplane and took off, and then you see it fall. It's wild. You see a human-shaped object fall from an airplane in this episode. I was not expecting it. Okay, so this is happening, like, basically at sunset. By the time the authorities get out there, it's dark. 
They're searching around, and they find this guy's body. This reenactment, okay. too, is brutal. Okay. They find yes. this guy's body, body at the bottom of a broken fence, and that body that they show is like... Bleh, bleh. It like, is twisted around. There's like one arm behind it. The reenactment is dark, and then you see this body illuminated by headlights. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, all it's twisted in ways bodies do not twist. In a fence. <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries Wiki says... It was clear he had jumped onto the plane, held onto its wing for several minutes, and fell off. Oh my god. That's something that really happened, everyone. I just want you to know, this was September 30th, 1991, in Pudaka, Kentucky. So there was no ID on the body. Then things take a hilarious turn. (laughs) And you say, Liz, this man died. And I say, yeah, but... Did the medical examiner t- have to tell us that he thought he might be a Chippendales dancer because he was tanned without tan lines and shaved his pubes? <laughs> and you left out that he had a physique. He was a, he was yeah. well-toned. This medical examiner looked at this guy's mangled corpse that had fallen out of the sky onto a fence and said, damn, I would risk it all. <laughs> This guy has been working out. And even though it's 91, he managed to tan without tan lines, which that used to be a thing. All right. And also, this guy's heard of a razor. You have and he's trimmed those pubes up. I cannot believe they put that on national television for us all to know what this man, this stri- this guy they hadn't even identified, but we know what he does to his pubes. So, if you, if you haven't watched this episode yet, you have to imagine this guy in a suit with, like, a slits strange, for eyes. This is a strange, strange man. This is a weird he's guy. He's intense. He's standing, he's sitting stick straight. He is taking this very fucking seriously. But he's, he's kind of sweaty. He's a little a, bit horny. There's a sheen of sweat on this man. He seems kind of aroused by the whole situation. He came to a very oddly specific conclusion about this man. There's no other reason why he may have shaved his pubes and tanned than... Like, he maybe found- the guy wears a Speedo. Okay, he was found with swimming goggles in his jacket. So oh, another yeah. reason he Good maybe didn't point. have... Maybe he had a toned physique and shaved his pubes and didn't... I mean, they <laughs> mention it as a possibility, but it's kind of glazed over. They're like, his maybe he was a competitive swimmer. This guy was clearly a Chippendales dancer. Or perhaps a swimmer, but probably... <laughs> Chippendales dancer. Chip, the Chippendales had been in town recently, and he was probably with them. Except that he wasn't. Because... So why bring it up at all? Why are we talking about this man's pubic hair? You could have just mentioned the, it seems the, the very, swimming goggles. It seems very disrespectful. <laughs> Says me. This guy's like a professional. You did not have to he mention probably, his pubes. He probably went to medical school. This is where we're at. Okay. So, whoa, that was a turn. Didn't see that happening. Yeah, we go through that, and then they're just like, well, he wasn't, though. <laughs> Oh, great. Not sure why we needed to mention it. We learned that the the plane was going 190 miles an hour after takeoff, and he managed to stay on for 3,000 feet, which, look, this guy was buff. He had that physique. That sounds hard. Yeah, he was very strong. Okay, so then there's an update. This was a complete mystery for eight years until fingerprints confirmed that he was 28-year-old Brian Ducker, but the reasons he climbed on the plane remain unknown. Let's see what it says here on Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Oh my god! This says it's solved! What? 
What a surprise. Definitely should have read this before we started recording. Okay, solved. In 1997, a woman named Dee Ducker watched a reprieve of the podcast and believed the man was her missing son, a 28-year-old marathon runner. Okay. And Not what? a Chippendale dancer? Sally, no. Wow. Guy, like that, was guy that knew how to swim and was also in good shape. Okay. He had last seen his family on September 26, 1991, when his sister visited him at his apartment in Cincinnati, Ohio. He noticed that he was busy cleaning the apartment, acting irritated and preoccupied. She felt he was acting so strange that she left. Mm. The next day, his father went into his apartment, but it was not there. He had left his ID, a handwritten will, and a note behind. The note mentioned that he wanted to head west to go mountain climbing. His family reported him missing soon after, but there weren't many leads until Dee saw the broadcast. However, when she contacted investigators, they claimed he did not match the man's description. However, she is convinced that the man was Brian. After reading an online article about him, she was put in contact with a writer from the area who forwarded a photo of Brian to investigators. In June 1990, fingerprints confirmed it was him. Why wouldn't they just do it? Oh, my God. Like, nope. Couldn't be it. Oh, he wasn't a Chippendale dancer? It can't be him. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am. Did you, what, was, what was your son's pubic area like? <laughs> she was just like, oh, my God. This lines up. Could you just check and see if it's my dead son? I don't know what happened to him. <gasps> Would you let my family mourn? And they were like, mm, doesn't sound like him. We're really looking for a Chippendale dancer. Okay. So, according to his family, he was diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic when he was 22. As a result, he often thought people were following him. Okay. He had difficulty separating imagination from reality. Brian's family has since added a second marker to its grave, which lists his name and date of birth. That's uh, sad. It is It is really sad. They have a picture here on Unsolved Mysteries of him running a marathon. A completely rational, normal, thing. less horny explanation for the medical exam- examiner's observations. Um... This case is wild. I have never heard of anything like it. The reenactments blew my mind. It's I was still, not expecting it's still them. It's so tragic. It's... Yeah. What a horrible way to die. I mean, I assume... Falling was, from 3,000 feet. I assume it was very fast, right? Yeah. I, I think so. And it doesn't seem like he was in his... You know what I mean? Yeah. So... God damn. So I also like he suffered. witnessed that? Oh, God. Yeah, those airfield workers. Yeah. I mean, I found it horrifying just the reenactment of, like, a dummy falling off a, a plane. I can't imagine if it, you saw the real person. Like, you're Linda. You just live near this airfield. You're retired. You, you're knitting on the porch or whatever. You know, you just, like, watch planes take off and land. And then one day you go, I'm sorry, was that a man that just fell off of that plane? Ugh. Wild. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's the end of yeah. the episode, that's, everyone. That's the end of the episode. I think good episode i liked it it was solid it was a solid way to start season five yeah so what do we have to don't we rate things we rate things yes that's normally what we do uh mysteriousness okay so we don't know what happened to tammy i find that very mysterious uh i guess we don't really know about this ufo it's pretty mysterious and even though brian's case is solved it is mysterious it was very mysterious at the time i've never heard anything like it ever and you know what maybe we never will again right so i'm gonna say thumbs way the fuck that deserves a thumbs up reenactments is the next one quality very good the ufo ones especially couldn't be better very yes a market improvement in the special effects did they get some more like 
budget this i think season? so yeah i mean it's season five so i think they're 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 like high on the hog gaining momentum and yeah you can definitely tell the quality's going the, up the airplane reenactments were good his body at the bottom of that fence is gonna like haunt my nightmare <laughs> yeah and i think the actress who played tammy did a good job an excellent job breaking that window and yeah. you know being worried about jeffrey epstein so right. thumbs way the fuck up again yeah fashion we gotta talk about the fashion okay that is seriously the worst frosted lipstick i have ever seen <laughs> it's notable it's pretty bad but um tammy Tam- reenactment tammy's fashion really stands out okay so i wrote i forgot to mention that tammy despite being 16 guess how many times she was a beauty queen 280 times she won a pageant that that's is- not the time she entered that's the time she motherfucking won that is impressive so, yeah, that woman knew fashion. Definitely. And reenactment Tammy also. Yes. Perfection. Yeah. So many jean ensembles. Poof. That woman loved denim. Those bangs? Wow. They were quite voluminous. Very voluminous. She loved a jean that really went in at the ankle. Yes. She said, taper it more, please, and make <laughs> my bangs even larger. Yes. Yes. So, I think, I mean, fashion is a thumbs up. Thumbs up. up. What about Robert Stack? I feel like we barely saw him. Is that true? I don't. Yeah, I, he, I do think we barely saw him, I don't honestly. think it doesn't really stand out. I think he talked a little bit about UFOs. He introduced us. You know, this was the start of... It really got me hyped for the season. That's because true. He, he did like the, like this is the premiere. Yeah, Thanks season for joining premiere, us. Unsolved Mysteries. But then I feel like we didn't really see much of him the rest of the episode. So sideways. Sideways. Like, thanks for trying, but try harder. There were quite a few mustaches. I don't think any of them really stood no. out to me. Because they no. were kind of run-of-the-mill but there was a lot of them so quantity over quality for the mustaches i would agree with that i would say just the quantity gets mvm sure like bring it on give us some all give us give us all the mustaches definitely um and then so on our rating scale of zero to five robert stacks four i do think this is a a four it's solid i i it's not kurt mcfall but would i make people watch the segment about a guy grabbing onto an airplane maybe yeah because it's really good it is good and it's bizarre it's quite bizarre and if you're into a ufo mystery, that's a good one yeah, and a good I, one. you're probably interested in that case so i give it a four i don't think you can really get a missing persons case better than tammy's like considering we don't have a ton of info to go on yeah it is interesting because it could it could be multiple things yes i i definitely believe that she saw something at that party but that's pretty open-ended what does that mean? Yeah, what did she see? Was it a combination of trauma and some mental health issues? Who knows? Right. And we won't know because Tammy's, you know, was never found. And uh, yeah, it's sad. Poor Tammy. It's quite sad. Um, so that wraps up the yeah. first episode of season five. Yeah. I feel like we should dab a thing no one does. <laughs> like, don't know how to do. Just pretend that we just did it. We just dabbed so hard. Yeah. Okay. So it's time for a recommendation. First recommendations of season five. What do you got for us? I have a movie recommendation. All right. Which I feel like is a classic. Okay. But I want to make sure that everyone's seen it. So I'm recommending the film Harold and Maude. Hmm. Which, yes, if you pay Amazon or Evil Overlords for Prime, currently included. So you have solid. Absolutely no excuse. I went and saw this movie uh, last month at the Parkway here in Minneapolis, and I had not seen it on the big screen before, and it was really fun, and I was like, I need to make sure people watch this movie. This is going to be my first recommendation of season Solid. five. So, Harold and Maude came out uh 1971. Huge flop at the time. Nobody was into it. 
And it has, you know, grown over the years, mm. developed that cult status where it can be appreciated. Actually, weirdly, Minneapolis was into this movie from the beginning. And, a, and a, there was a movie theater in town that showed it for three years to the wow. point that people protested, like, please pick another movie. <laughs> and that made me, like, weirdly proud of Minneapolis. Yeah. It's like, yes, thank you for appreciating this movie. So... I feel like when you summarize it, it sounds really cheesy, but it's about, like, a very morose young man who is constantly, like, faking his own death, and then he, it's like a week in his life okay, where he meets, like, a much older woman who has, like, you know, joy de vie. Sure. She's not so emo, and it's about them spending, like, a week together. Okay. But it's, like, so encapsulates, like, my life philosophy, and it's so fucking funny to me. I used to watch this movie with my mom as a kid, which probably explains a lot. It's not really for children. And, uh, God, I just couldn't recommend it more. All the music is by Cat Stevens. Really captures that, like, time. And it really makes me want a hearse. You should drive around in a hearse. Harold drives around in a hearse. hearse to take to the Mothman Festival. And you know how hot it is that Harold drives around in a hearse? It's (laughs) so hot. God, I want one. I don't want to say too much about it. It's very funny. It's very charming. I think you should watch it. It's a it's a very good way to spend probably not even two hours of your time. You won't regret it. Solid, solid. My recommendation could not be more opposite. Mm-hmm. It's like it has nothing to do with Liz's recommendation. I am recommending some pants. Okay, I'm here for it. <laughs> Something I've never good recommended pants before. Are hard to find. 2020 is the year I leave jeans in the past. Okay. I mm-hmm. you're I done. hate wearing jeans. I have hated wearing jeans since I was a child. Yeah. They're not... Com- People would say they're comfortable, and that's a no, lie. I hate them. All through elementary school, all I wore was stretchy pants. Stretchy pants my mom sewed for me. I had a pair that had cats on them. I was the coolest elementary school <laughs> kid around. I, this is interesting, because I feel like your childhood stretchy pants were, like, not a thing. They were not. Yeah. Because when I hit middle school, I realized it was deeply uncool to wear stretchy pants. Yeah. And so everyone wore jeans, and so I wore jeans. And I hated them. I hated the feel of jeans. I hated wearing them. I carried that into adulthood. Uh, leggings have become acceptable to wear as pants, and I hope that never changes. Even if it changes, I I'm not going to change. they can take it away from us now. It's been too long. They really can't. However, I can't wear leggings at work unless I wear, like, it's just not appropriate. You have to wear, like, a tunic yeah, or Yeah, like a, dress a tunic top, yeah. a long dress, something like that. But my work, my the dress code is sort of non-existent and very casual. You can wear jeans. So I mostly wear jeans to work. But I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like buying jeans. Well, this year I needed to buy some more pants because, like, the one pair of jeans <laughs> that I have been wearing for, like, the last two years are wearing out. And I was like, you know what? They have those, those like, dress pant yoga pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they feel like yoga pants, but they're dress pants. But I'm not going to buy them because, one, they're really expensive. And, two, no one wears dress pants in my work. Everyone wears jeans. So what I really need, I think to myself, <laughs> is leggings that look like jeans. Leggings that are masquerading as jeans. Mm -hmm. I mean, that has to be a thing, right? So I Google it. It's a thing. There's people out there like me. I felt a little (laughs) less alone. (laughs) That's what this podcast is all about. So I found a list that was like the top 10. Not jeggings. Sure. Let's be clear. Yeah. Leggings that look like jeans. And they have them. And I found a pair on Amazon that I really, really like. So, yes, I paid our evil overlords. I kind of think these are available at Target, but I don't know for sure. They're the no-nonsense brand. It's like one word, no-nonsense. Jean leggings. And I fucking love them. They really look like jeans. 
Uh They're quite tight, but everyone, you know, they look like jeggings if you're just glancing at them. They have like the stitching. They have real pockets in the back. Okay. Really nice. But you pull them on. They feel exactly like leggings. And I fucking love them. And this has changed your life. It has changed my life. I'm probably never going to wear jeans again. I adore them. I do say there's, so on Amazon, if you're going to buy them on Amazon, there are two styles. There is one that's class, that advertises itself as classic. Uh And it has uh like the traditional denim, a dark denim, and a light denim. Those are my favorite. They're not as stylish as the other pair that they offer, but the other pair looks slightly less like jeans to me. Okay. I still like them. They fit exactly the same. They still feel like leggings, but they you can kind of tell they're not jeans. The other ones look exactly like jeans. And I love them. They feel like leggings. They're very comfortable. They're true to size. I wish they were a little more high-waisted, but considering yeah. I paid leggings prices oh, for something nice. that... They're very yes. cheap. It was like 16 bucks. I will be wearing nothing else. I bought two more pairs. <laughs> okay, I, I have the story that will bridge these two recommendations. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Who likes buying pants? No one. Exactly. I was once at the store, and I needed to buy some pants. I think I needed them for work. I was very depressed about trying on pants. I hate buying pants. And and the outlook looked bleak. And then I had a thought, a very Harold and Maude thought, really, to myself, that it was, don't worry, Liz, you won't have to do this forever. One day you'll be dead. (laughs) And I felt a lot better. You know what? That's really oddly inspiring. Yeah. One day you will die and you'll never have to buy pants again. Because I was like, oh my god. Even though I don't buy pants that often, it always feels like I need to go buy pants and I don't want to and I'm dreading it. And I was just like, this is just going to go on and on and on and it will never end. And I was like, no, it won't. Because one day you'll die. Look, one day you'll die and you won't have to buy pants anymore. But in the meantime, stop wearing pants. Wear (laughs) leggings that look like pants. I love it. That's my recommendation. I really think you, you, you can. Yeah. You don't have to wear jeans if you don't like jeans. I'm wearing, wearing, actually, I'm going to recommend this I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing a jumper dress from Hell Bunny right now. I love your dress. That's stretched it's adorable. And you can literally just put it over any single shirt, and then you feel and like you look. look cute. Yeah. What? I think I'm going to wear this all fucking summer long. I don't know that I'm going to wear anything else. And I feel like I've solved all of my problems with this purchase. Particularly if you have a shirt that's like, mm, like... A little too tight in the belly. Hidden. Throw that on top. Hidden now. No one will ever know. It's a secret. <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and tell my middle school self, who's hated putting on jeans every morning, that someday you're going to be able to wear stretchy pants for, the, for all the time. <laughs> yes. What a beautiful world. Yeah. Okay. I think we should end on that positive <laughs> note I agree. of hope. I agree. Wear stretchy pants until you die. Yeah. Perhaps it's you. <laughs> That's our new motto. <laughs> yes. Okay, so you know that you're supposed to follow us on social media. Oh, there's yes. the Twitter, there's the Instagram, yeah, there's perhaps the Facebook it's you. group. Maybe I'll start posting on Instagram again. We'll see. Uh, um, you should definitely give us five stars on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we like need whatever. Ego boost. Because if we don't get any more five star reviews, I'm canceling this podcast. So we need it. Take we- it seriously. We're really worried about our algorithms. Please help us out. Give us a five star yeah. review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. So if you go to our Patreon, which I think is supposed to be perhaps, it's Patreon slash perhaps it's you, but I feel like perhaps it's you spelled wrong, so like, go to our website, perhaps it's you. Is it spelled wrong? I think so. What? (laughs) (laughs) How is it spelled? There's like a random T in there. I don't know if that's us or Patreon or what. I don't know if we can fix that. Look, it probably is. Okay. Okay, our name is right, but is our URL wrong? Yes. 
Fuck, how does that happen? I don't know. How could your name be right, but your URL be wrong? That might be a Patreon thing. That might be out of our control. So it's like, perhaps it's yes. Cool. But you can go to... go to patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. You can just go to perhaps it's you.com. That has all of our links What if we would have so much more money if people could find us, but they're they're spelling it right? Because the other day, I was on a different computer, and I tried to go to our Patreon, and that brought up nothing. (laughs) And I went, oh... Hmm. Good thing we give that out every week. But (laughs) if you give us money, money, money. We need the money. We're going to the Mothman Festival. We have to buy snacks. Yeah. But don't you want to hear us talk about the low files? Oh, yeah. What you get in return is bonus content. Last month, we talked about the low files. It was a really great time. Um, There's coloring sheets, including a coloring sheet at Robert Stack if you cough up $5. And if you cough up $10, you get quarterly gifts. Yes. Really cool shit. Our last gift that went out. steal. Was a glow in the dark badge that says five out of five Robert Stacks. Yeah, don't you want things like that? It glows in the dark. Huh. Enough said. Yeah, it's a great deal. Um, we are really one of the best deals on Patreon. Every so often, I'm looking at someone's Patreon and you get like one episode a month and it's like six dollars. Or yeah, you pay ten dollars a month and all you get is a shout out. And I go, shout out sounds like worthless. <laughs> <laughs> that should be free. The I shout people- out to people all the time. Yeah. Well, Boo. mostly we shout out to B.D. Wong. Mostly B.D. Wong and our friend Arden, and now my Uncle Jeff, but whatever. Um, <laughs> they got those for free, yeah, so. Guess what? Oh my god, is that everything? I think we've gone off the rails. But As that's usual. fine. That happens all the time. Surprise! You have a rat tail! <laughs> Goodbye! <laughs> Imagine if we knew what we were doing. We could be unstoppable. We would have the most successful podcast of all time. And people would say, Serial Who... Serial, that was garbage. Can't believe I listened to that. Now that there's perhaps it's you. A <laughs> shining beacon. Just a sea of lesser podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. There's perhaps it's you. There's a huge gulf. <laughs> and then there's everything else. <laughs> Just in a mishmash together. Unfortunately, we'll never reach those heights because we can't even plug two ends of a cord to the right thing. Well, look. Did I go to podcasting school? No. <laughs> Is that a thing? Oh, it probably is a thing now. It probably is now. Gross.